We are in the second part of our series called Upside Down. Upside Down. Uh, last week, if you were here last week, you know we didn't get into it last week, but when we had a, just an incredible time with the Lord last week, he just did some things in this service, and I've been hearing stories upon story upon story about what the Lord has been doing in your lives since Sunday, and, uh, and so we didn't get into uh, our message, which is perfectly fine. That's okay. God can come in and interrupt anything he wants to. That's fine. And so we're going to jump right into this today, but we've been on this series called Upside Down, which is a series on the Beatitudes. It's a series on the Beatitudes. Say Beatitudes. Beatitudes. Now, if you recall, two weeks ago, um, the word Beatitude, we defined it simply as this, supreme blessedness. Supreme blessedness. Now, how many of you want to live a life of supreme blessedness? Right? Just a constant state of supreme blessedness. So we, we define the word beatitude as a supreme blessedness. And the beatitudes is Jesus giving us a teaching or really showing us the pattern of a blessed life. He's going to give us the pattern of a blessed life. What are the characteristics of a blessed life? Life And Jesus is giving that to us in the book of Matthew chapter 5. This is where we're going to be uh, throughout the course of this series. But Matthew 5, the beginning, just in his introduction, Jesus gives us this pattern. He gives us these characteristics of a blessed life. And as I said in week one, if, if Jesus is talking about blessing, if Jesus is talking about what it takes for someone to have a blessed life, then I'm all ears and I want to hear everything Jesus has to say about that. And so we're going to continue on with these Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, let's begin at verse 3 this morning. If you have your Bible, you can turn there or you can follow along on the screen. Verse 3, just to recap. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Verse 4 again, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is powerful, it is alive, it is active. Use it to transform and change us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Comforted. Now, the word mourn, by definition, just so we make, just to make sure we're all on the same page, the word mourn means to feel regret or sadness about the loss of someone or something, to grieve or to feel sorrow for. How many of you have ever mourned something or someone, right? Have you ever mourned something? Maybe you've mourned the loss of a loved one. You've grieved, you felt sorrow for the loss of a loved one. Maybe they, someone you know you love passed away. Maybe you've uh, uh, mourned the loss of a relationship. Maybe there was a relationship in your life that was severed or broken, and you've, you mourned and felt sorrow, and you were grieved over that. Right? We've all experienced some level of mourning in our lifetime. Some of you were mourning last Sunday. Some of y'all were mourning last Sunday, Sunday evening, because your team lost, right? Some of y'all were really mourning over that. Like, seriously, there were some folks really upset that the Cowboys lost, right? Y'all were grieving. Y'all were mourning over that, 
right? It doesn't matter what degree, what level it is, we've all experienced some type of grief or sorrow in our lifetime. And mourning is inevitable. It doesn't matter what age, what race, what background, what culture, everybody will mourn or grieve. That's inevitable. But would it surprise you if I told you this morning that grieving and mourning should be a normal part of the Christian experience? Grieving or mourning should be the normal part of your Christian experience. It should be normal for you as followers of Jesus to mourn and grieve. And you may say, well, that don't make sense. In the same way the world would see what Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. The world would look at that and think, well, that doesn't make sense because I'm seeing somebody who's grieving or mourning and there's nothing about them that looks blessed right now. If you've ever mourned or grieved in sorrow for something, you probably at that moment didn't feel blessed. And so the fact that I said that that grieving or mourning should be a normal part of the Christian experience, the reason why somebody would argue against that is because we've kind of bought into the the idea that, that being a Christian exempts you from any type of pain or sorrow. But you and I both know that's not the truth. Because I'm a Christian, many of you here, if not all, are Christians, and we've all experienced pain or sorrow. So grieving and mourning, again, should be a normal part of your Christian experience. So what is Jesus talking about when he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted? Well, what Jesus is talking about in this text Jesus is telling us, you want to know the characteristics of a blessed person? What Jesus is saying in verse 4 is he's saying a blessed person grieves or mourns over their sin. A blessed person grieves over their sin. Now, again, there might be some pushback to that. Can you say, well, grieve over my sin? No. No, because we're not supposed to be dwelling on our sin, because if we dwell on our sin, then, then, man, we can never move on. And so you're telling me that Jesus is telling us to grieve over our sin, to mourn over our sin? Yes. It's important for you to grieve over your sin. It's important for you to experience some type of sorrow over your sin. Because if you don't experience the sorrow of your sin, how will it ever get dealt with? And so Jesus is saying a blessed person grieves over their own sin. Let's continue reading some scripture just to kind of make this point. Go with me to James chapter 4, verse 8. James chapter 4, verse 8. Verse 8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now many of us stop right there. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But he continues on. Cleanse you hand, your hands, you sinners, and purify you hearts, your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Now you may say, Chris, I did not come to church this morning for you to tell me to turn my joy to gloom. 
I, I, I came here this morning. I got up early on a Sunday. Man, I stayed up late last night watching the fight, and I still got up early. I didn't come here for you to tell me to mourn and to grieve. I, I came here to be encouraged. I came here to be lifted up. But now you're telling me to be wretched and mourn and weep? What is James saying in this text? What James is saying here, he's saying is when you have a genuine encounter with God, your sin will always be confronted. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That is the encounter we have with God. But then what does he do next? He confronts our sin. And then he goes on to say, hey, be wretched. Mourn, quit that laughing, weep. Why? Because you just had an encounter with the living God. And when you have an encounter with God, a genuine encounter with God, sin will always be confronted. Sin will always be confronted. Why? Because sin always has to be dealt with. See, if we don't mourn and grieve over sin, that means we don't really take sin seriously. See, the problem with a lot of people is many people, they, they'll tell you, man, get, get over your sin and just move on and keep on going, keep on living your life, sweep it under the rug. And what happens is when we don't confront our sin, it never gets dealt with. And so instead, what happens is we go on living life as if all is well. But my question to you this morning is, have you had a genuine encounter with God? Because if you have had a genuine encounter with God, then your sin's going to be confronted every single time. Let's continue reading some more scripture just to kind of give you some context here. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5. This prophet Isaiah has this encounter with God. He has this vision of God. And you would think for the most part that Isaiah would be like, yo, I had this incredible encounter with God. It was awesome. But let's read Isaiah's response, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So what is Isaiah telling us here? I've had a genuine encounter with God. And now I'm being made aware of how filthy and unclean I really am. Again, you cannot have a genuine encounter with God and your sin not be confronted and dealt with. It just can't happen. Because Isaiah is seeing this beautiful glimpse, this, this glorious vision of God. And when he saw God, it wasn't anything for him to boast about. Instead, he said, whoa, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't even be in this place. I am a man of unclean lips. I am filthy. I am evil. I am wicked. I am sinful. What made him see these things? Because he saw true beauty. He saw true beauty. And when he saw true beauty, 
when he saw true purity, when he saw true love, when he saw true grace. He compared himself to that and said, I'm not even worthy to be here. I'm not even worthy to be standing here right now. I'm a man of unclean lips. I am sinful. I am evil. I'm wicked. And the people I'm with are sinful, evil, and wicked. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who grieve over their sin. Blessed are those who take their sin seriously. And I don't want us just to go on living life, just brushing our sin under the rug. Our sin must be dealt with. Our sin must be confronted. And here's what I want us to to understand this morning before we get out of here today. I, I want you to see what Jesus said. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I want you to recognize the fact that 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 the blessing is not in the mourning. The blessing is not in the grieving or the sorrow, but the blessing comes in the comfort. See, how can you be comforted if you are not uncomfortable? And so Jesus is telling us a blessed person recognizes a blessed person grieves over their own sin. A blessed person is uncomfortable with their own sin. So that they soon can be comforted by the comforter. See, how does this all happen? How does this all flesh out? How does, what does this look like for us? Well, If you recall two weeks ago, number one, the number one beatitude we discussed, Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, right? Jesus was saying a blessed person recognizes their need for God. When you recognize your need for God and you say, I need you, God, you are giving God this invitation to come invade this space in your life. You're, you're asking God to come in and say, Lord, I, I, I want you to be Lord over my life. I, I need you in my life. I can't function without you. I can't be made right and righteous and pure without you. I, I need you. So you're asking God to come invade this space. And what happens is in that time is the very spirit of God begins to reside on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit. When you, when you step into a relationship with Jesus, when you, when you get saved, when you, when, you, when you ask him into your life, you are, you are saying, Holy Spirit, I, I'm, I'm asking you to come and reside on the inside of me. And you know what? He will. The Holy Spirit comes on in. But here's what he does. The only thing I can liken it to is if the Holy Spirit comes on in on the inside of us, and it's almost as if he turns on this what we call a black light. Everybody know what a black light is? Right? Everybody knows what a black light is? A black light is this, is this ultraviolet light, right? This strong ultraviolet light that, that really, it reveals things that normally we probably wouldn't see just with the naked eye. It, it reveals things. That, it, it illuminates things that we just probably wouldn't see. Uh, people use it in, in forensics. They use it to find, you know, if they see fingerprints on things, they, they see dirt or oils or different things. And let me just give you a word of caution. Never use a black light in a bathroom or a hotel room. You'll thank me later. Because it reveals 
some of the filthiest, nastiest things that you normally wouldn't see with your naked eye. If I were to touch my shirt right now and all the oils and stuff that are in dirt that is on my, my hands and, and you would, those particles you probably couldn't see, if I were to shine a black light on my shirt, you'd begin to see those particles. you begin to see where I touched. you begin to see the dirt or the oils or whatever was on my hand. Well, it illuminates these things, right? Well, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and he flips on the black light. And he begins to shine this black light on in your life. And see, and there's the obvious sins that we know about, right? There's the obvious things in our life that we know, yo, I need to change. There's the obvious sins that are at the forefront that we could just see when, when we have this encounter with God. Like, yes, I'm a man of unclean lips. Yes, I'm all these things. But the Holy Spirit, with this black light, he begins to shine light in areas. And you begin, it begins to reveal certain sins in your life that you didn't even know you had. For some people, it's, it's pride, right? For some people, maybe just, just different types of lusts or, or, or different types of greed or different types of bitterness that we may have in our life that maybe we didn't see in, uh, uh, in the out front of things. But maybe when the Holy Spirit came and shined that light, he said, wait a second, Chris, you got this, you got this, you got this area to deal with. Oh, you got some pride over here. You got these things. And, and, and it began to blew my, blew my mind at the things that the Holy Spirit was revealing about my life. But why does he do that? Does he turn on the black light to expose our sins so that, so that we can feel bad, so that we can feel guilty, so that we can feel shame? Does he do that to out us? Not at all. He exposes the sin in our life so it can be confronted and dealt with. He turns on the black light just so you can see the areas that you may have missed. The Holy Spirit comes in. He says, yeah, Chris, I, you, 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 you ask for forgiveness for these sins and you're dealing with these sins, but you still got these other little things that, that are in, on the inside of you. You got these other things that, that really haven't been dealt with yet. You know what, Chris? I love you too much for you not to deal with those things. I love you too much just for you to sweep those under the rug and keep on living life as if all is good. It's time to deal with these things. And so what the Holy Spirit does is, is when he turns on that black light into our lives, what, what you begin to sense and what you begin to feel is what they call the Holy Spirit's conviction. The Holy Spirit's conviction. Not to be confused with the devil's condemnation. See, the Holy Spirit convicts so the sin can be dealt with. The devil condemns so you can feel ashamed. See, the devil wants to expose the sin so you can feel guilty and feel ashamed and feel unworthy to feel all these things that, that God never intended for us to feel. So the devil says, man, you're a liar. You're always going to be a liar. That's why I don't subscribe to the belief of once an addict, always an addict. I don't subscribe to that belief. It's a common thing that is always said, well, once an addict, if I was addicted to this, and I'm just always going to be addicted. I just got to keep fighting. I don't subscribe to that belief. Here's why. Because my Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Christ, because of Christ, I've been made new. 
The old has passed away. I'm no longer the same person I used to be. In Jesus, I'm made brand new. I am a new creation. I'm made new. But the devil says, no. Those sins you've dealt with, those sins you used to struggle with, those sins that you have, you've been doing for the last 10, 15, 20 years, that's, that's just all you're going to be. And you know what? God's upset at you. But the Holy Spirit says, hey, Chris, I'm showing you these sins because I love you. I'm showing you these sins. I'm revealing these sins to you so they can be dealt with. I'm showing these sins to you. I'm revealing these sins to you so I can demonstrate my power in your life, so I can show you what I'm capable of. And when he exposes those sins, when those sins are revealed, many times more often than not, you can feel the grief of those sins. I, I like to call it the God grief. The God grief, the, the, the healthy grief that we're supposed to feel for our sin. Because see, if we don't feel the heaviness and weight of our sin, again, we won't take it seriously. But the Holy Spirit allows us to feel the grief of that sin, not so we can stay there, but so that it can be dealt with. See, because here's the thing, all your sin, all the sin of the world has already been dealt with. Sin has already been confronted. Sin was already confronted on this thing right here. Jesus took the sin of the world on this cross. But you can't tell me when you look back and you think about the cross, when you think about Good Friday, Besides the love of God, what was so beautiful about that day? Because it's in my recollection of what I read and what I know about the crucifixion, it was probably the goriest, ugliest day you would ever see. A man was put on that cross, the man, Christ Jesus. Beaten to a pulp, flesh torn, bloodbath, skin hanging off, screaming in agony and pain. What was that a picture of? It was sin being dealt with, it was sin being confronted. But then came Sunday, and Jesus resurrected from the dead. And we could not have a resurrection had there not been a death. And it's the same for us in our lives. Our sins got to be dealt with. Our sin has to be confronted. We need to be, we need to know the type of sin that we've been, we've been dealing with and struggling with in our lives. Why? So it can be dealt with. And I'm telling you this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to deal with your sin. 
He doesn't want to out you and expose you and shame you before everybody. But he wants to love on you. He wants to show, shower his grace on you. And he wants you to be transformed. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who grieve over their sin. Why? Because they will be comforted. The blessing is in the comforter. The blessing is in the Holy Spirit. In fact, let's continue uh, reading some of this here. John chapter 14, verse 26, reading out of the Amplified Version, says this, but the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. What is he saying there? The comforter is coming. He's coming. He's coming to help you. He's coming to be with you. He's coming to live alongside of you. He's coming to, to walk with you. That's where the blessing comes. That's where the blessing is. And for some of you this morning, my prayer, my hope, is that we would recognize the gravity of our sin. That we would recognize that the sin that we are dealing with in our lives, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. But it can be confronted and it can be dealt with. Because the comfort of the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. You don't have to believe the lie of the devil. You don't have to feel the shame that the devil tries to put on you. You don't have to feel the condemnation that the devil tries to, to put on your life, to bring into your thought life. No, the Holy Spirit wants to comfort you, and he wants to love on you, and he wants to grace you. Blessed are those who feel the grief of their sin. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And here's the thing. Not only do we grieve over our own sin, but we can also grieve over the sin of others. We can grieve over the sin of others. That's important. But, but, but we, but we got to make sure that we don't ever uh, get that backwards. Don't grieve over the sin of others before you grieve over your own sin. You following me? It's impossible. Don't grieve over the, the world's sin when you can't even grieve over your own. I, I, I liken it to riding on an airplane or flying on an airplane, right? You know, on an airplane, when you, when, before takeoff, the, the, the flight attendant, they give us the, the safety instructions, right? Just in case something goes wrong. And one of the things they tell us is, man, if for whatever reason the cabin loses oxygen, there's going to be some oxygen mass that will fall from the top there. You be sure you put your mask on first before you help anybody else alongside of you. There's a reason why they say that. Because if you don't put your own mask on first, you're going to pass out. And then you're no good help to anybody. Well, it's the same with sin. If we don't deal with our own sin, 
If we don't confront our own sin, how can we help and confront the sin of other people? If we don't grieve over our own, how can we grieve over the rest of the world's sin? And the Holy Spirit is there for you to help you grieve and deal with your own sin. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Because see, one day, one day, this will all be over and done with. One day, you're not going to struggle with sin anymore. One day, this flesh isn't going to keep fighting with you anymore. One day, one day that's going to happen. Revelation 21, 4, verse five, 4 and 5 says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be, what? Mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have what? Passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write these down, for these words are trustworthy and true. But until that day, we need the comforter. Until that day, we need the helper. And the good news is you have the comforter and helper living on the inside of you. It's okay to grieve over your sin. It's okay to feel the weight of it. But you don't have to stay there. Because the helper has come to love on you, to shower you with his grace. Let's stand to our feet. I don't want to move on without acknowledging the fact that there may be some in here today that has never confronted their own sin. Maybe you've never had a true, genuine encounter with God before. Maybe you don't know what that's like to be confronted with your sin. Maybe you don't know what it's like to have the Holy Spirit come on the inside of you and turn the black light on and reveal. Maybe you don't know what that is. Maybe you, like many people, just swept it under the rug and said, man, I'll just deal with that later. But I'm telling you, today God wants to have an encounter with you. James 4.8 says, to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Today can be that day of encounter for you. And when you encounter God... Your sin will be confronted. So that it can be dealt with. Now I don't know what that sin is in your life. I don't know what that is. If some of us have been, been in the faith a very long time and we're still struggling with the same old sin. And my question to you is, has it been confronted and dealt with? Or have we just moved on? Have you grieved over your sin before? 
Have you grieved over the fact that a holy and pure and righteous God hates sin. He hates it. Doesn't hate you. But he hates sin. All sin. All sin. No sin greater or smaller than the next. All sin. And it was all sin that had to be dealt with on that cross. See, somebody had to die for your sin and my sin. Somebody had to die. Blood had to be shed for the lies that you tell, for the sins that you commit, for the lust that you feed. For the pride that you have, somebody had to die for that. And that beautiful somebody was Jesus. Was Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to turn on the black light. Ask the Holy Spirit to turn on the black light, not to shame you, not to guilt you, but just to reveal to you those areas in your life that have not been confronted and dealt with. Maybe pride, it may be bitterness, Lust. Just say, Holy Spirit, just show me. Just show me. Just shine the light on it. Let's confront it right now. Let's deal with it right now. And I promise you, He will. He will. And once that sin is revealed and you, you, you know what that is. It's time to confront it. And I want you to think about the cross. I want you to think about Jesus on a cross, a, a bloody, battered, beaten, torn Jesus on a cross. And I want you to begin to thank Jesus for confronting your sin on that cross. Because of that cross, you can be forgiven. Because of that cross, you can be made clean. You can be made whole. You can be changed. And because of the resurrection, you can experience brand new life. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're revealing in us those areas in our lives that we haven't dealt with, 
those areas that we swept under the rug. Holy Spirit, show us. Show us. Show us. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they would come down to this altar.